Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Bautazor. And today, we're going to be recapping the first game of the Kansas State Wildcats football season. And that was the neutral site game held in Arlington, Texas, in which Connor and I were both in attendance at AT&T Stadium. Wonderful experience, by the way. I'm sure you agree, other than you getting lost for 10 yes, minutes. Yes, I did get lost. It was way longer than 10 minutes, too. I literally was just walking around the stadium for like half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> you eventually found your way. Yeah. And I, it's because I asked some people for directions, or I asked some stadium workers for directions, and they just like completely sent me the wrong way. Yo, no, yeah, no, they did the same thing to me. But it was a wonderful experience against the Stanford Cardinal, and if you didn't know, which I'm guessing you probably yeah. did. If you're listening to this, you know. Yeah. Kansas State walked away with a victory, a dominant victory, 24-7 over Stanford. That 7 was only scored in actual garbage time. Yeah, it was, I think, about three and a half minutes left when that was scored. They didn't even go for two. Yeah, they just... uh, But they also had an onside kick, so they gave up, but they didn't. No one... I I don't get it. No (laughs) one knew what was happening there, but nevertheless, it was a win for Kansas State. So... To let you know how recaps are going to go, because actually this is our first recap episode, we're going to go over general game recap, which basically just consists of stats, and then we're going to go great position by position, giving each position and the two offensive and defensive coordinators, one each, just two coordinators, a grade on the scale from A plus to F. A means that they were the reason we won the game, B being they contributed to the win, C meaning they did not help or hurt either way, D means they were actively detrimental, and F means they could have or did cost us the game. And then finally we'll go into specific player standouts we have, takeaways from the game, and then finally we will wrap it all up. So let's begin with the general game day recap, starting off with stats, specifically for K-State. Skylar Thompson was obviously the starting quarterback, and he was 9 for 14 today. We didn't feel the need to throw that much. Nope. Uh, for 144 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. However, if you take away, I believe it was a... I think it was 55 yards. 56-yard 56 56, reception on a bust in coverage to Phillip Brooks. He does not throw for over 100 yards today. In terms of rushing, Deuce Vaughn was the leading rusher with 13 carries for 124 yards and a touchdown with a long of 59. That was a very beautiful run. Yeah, it was an excellent run, uh, schemed up perfectly. I talked about in the post game how they were looking for that look. And if you go back and look at the film, it makes total sense as to why that play would work because they just completely loaded up one side and they just said, all right, well, we'll go the other way then. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, well, I guess we'll just go the other way. Um, and then Malik Knowles had two carries. Skyler Thompson had 10 for 33. I think two of those were sacks, so take it for what you will. Actually, I think three of them were sacks. Three of them were sacks with yeah. two touchdowns. And then Jacardier Wright had one for six. Joe Irvin was five for two. We had a total of 200 rushing yards exactly with three rushing touchdowns. In terms of receiving, Phillip Brooks was the leading receiver. He caught three passes for 81 yards. Followed by Daniel and Matsford Bebe, 2 for 38. Malik Knowles, 2 for 13. And then Deuce Vaughn, 2 for 12. Now defense, which is where we really made our name here. And it's really, it was, let's call it what it is. It was a dominant defensive performance. Yep. The team had 53 total tackles with 4 sacks, 8 TFLs, 2 passes defensed, as well as... If memory serves, yes, two interceptions. One by T.J. Smith and Russ Yeast was the other one. And Stubby had a pass breakup. Yeah, it was an excellent pass breakup as well. It's a ridiculously good pass breakup. Yeah, it was a breakup. crucial third down. So, Also, pull out your bingo boards if you had Cody Fletcher having the first sack of the season. Put it away, you're lying. Yeah, I mean, if you somehow actually guess it, A, you didn't, and B, kudos. <laughs> Stop <laughs> lying to me. Yeah. It froze for a second there, and I was concerned. Oh. But other than that, our kicking game was efficient. We didn't have any missed kicks. And overall, it was just a very, very good day, specifically on the ground and defensively. Yep, I think that sums it up pretty well. 
At least in a general sense. Yeah. Among a lot of other things, there was also something we have to mention, which was the atmosphere of the place. Now, I believe official attendance numbers came out, and it was around 25, 30K. Yeah. Which, it was just under 29,000, I think. Which, obviously, that's not even close to capacity. Right. But, if you look to K-State's side of the field, it was yeah. very noticeable that there were no completely empty sections and at least some of them were mostly full yeah the k-state fans i would imagine the of that twenty nine thousand, they probably were roughly 90 percent at least stanford may have had 1500 fans there like there they there were not many stanford fans and they were just not really into the game at all it was for all intents and purposes it was a k-state home game yeah so that kind of and I think that feeds into what a lot of people were concerned about, and it was worried about, oh, how will we, how will our fans travel, which was fine. The student section was... It was bumping. It was always there. And it honestly was an atmosphere, even though there were only 30,000 people there, it felt like an atmosphere that had a whole lot more. Yep. At least down where we were. Yeah, it was loud uh, pretty much the whole time where I was seated. I wasn't in the student section, but I was... About three sections over, so it was like me, then two sections, then the band, and then like just this sea of students. <laughs> and the students, they were into the game the entire time. Like it was really great to see. Yeah. So that those are just kind of our general thoughts on the game itself. But now we get to go into what I feel will be the meat and potatoes of this show, this specific episode, which is grading each position and the respective coordinators, which I explained the grading system at the very beginning. So let's start with the offensive side of the ball, and we'll start by grading what everyone considers to be the most important position on the field, and that is quarterback, which in K-State's case is the super senior, Skylar Thompson. And do you want to take the grade first, or do you want to do you want to push it off on me first? Uh, I'll go ahead and go first. Um, I actually did like take him down slightly since we spoke, because I thought about it a little bit more. I took him down from a C plus to a C. Um, I think a lot of people, I think, were impressed with Skyler, and I think he played okay uh, running the ball. He was effective, and he scored two touchdowns, and that can't be overlooked, because um, that would have been a much closer game. Uh, without that contribution, like 10-7, if my math is yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, so Skyler, yeah, he had the highlight play where he just ran over the guy, and that was all well and good. And he went 9-14 of 14 through the air, which isn't on face value awful, but he had some pretty significant errors that um, I, I think he would admit that he made, and I don't want to overlook here. Um, one of the big ones that sticks out, in my mind, is the Daniel uh, Imaterbebe play. I believe that was in the second quarter, maybe. It may have been the first. Um, it was in the first half, for sure. Uh, Daniel Daniel Imaterbebe, he had a... Uh, he was running a seam through the middle. Uh, he was he had at least a step on the linebacker that was covering him. And a properly thrown pass, it's a walk-in touchdown for Daniel Imaterbebe. However... Skyler underthrew the pass completely, and he had to make a diving attempt at catching the ball. And Which shoes credit he almost made. Yeah, and he nearly caught it, but it was made way more difficult than it needed to be. Which it, that that we left some points on the field, and a lot of that comes back to Skyler and his decision making. Um, he needs to be a little bit more decisive. I think he looked a little bit slow to act i think today uh or not today it was a couple days ago now but he yeah he he wasn't atrocious at all by any means but his accuracy left something to be desired and uh he had a couple reads that weren't so good like the philip brooks interception uh he checked to that play at the line of scrimmage and it's actually not the worst idea but the ball placement was just totally off and that results in an interception pretty early on in the game. And the performance that he had, we wouldn't have beaten Oklahoma, probably. No. I don't think there are many schools that we would have beaten with that kind of performance. 
And before I give my grade, allow me to preface that I have been a very avid supporter of Skylar Thompson all throughout the offseason process. Anyone who has ever heard me talk on any podcast, not even our own, including Bosco's Boys, has known that I'm someone who's been very high on Skylar Thompson. Which is why the grade that I feel like I have to give him, and again, I could be, I'm, I tend to be very harsh on these grades. Something that you will learn over time. Everyone will very quickly learn over time that I'm very harsh when it comes to these grades. I give Skylar a D plus. I, I think that there are a lot of times when specifically, if we're separating that, honestly, passing is a D minus. If we're giving him the rushing capability, he probably gets a B. But I don't. I passing as a quarterback should be the number one priority. Yep. And there are only two throws that I can think of in which Skylar Thompson made a throw that. I don't expect literally any college football quarterback to make. One is on, I just call it a Shanahan. It's like a slide concept to Daniel or Matt's or Bebe right over the middle. He made a nice throw on the run. And then another was a ball that just wasn't caught and it was called for PI against Keenan Garber. A deep ball that in any other world other than one that had PI in it would have been caught. But... A lot of Skylar Thompson's throws today's on today. Again, you and I make the same mistake. Yeah, I don't know why we keep doing that. <laughs> Se- several days ago now. The ball placement, I- I'll go farther than what you said. You said it was less than ideal. It was downright atrocious. It the fake cause it was a correct check at the line on the Philip Brooks interception. That was the correct check at the line to make against the given coverage that he had. It was perfect leverage. Skylar Thompson has to make exactly one read on a smash fade play. And he made the correct read. And, yeah, I guess it isn't ideal that Phillip Brooks was the receiver on that read. But still, on that throw, if he throws it anywhere else, or even throws it perfectly where it needs to be, which is about halfway through the end zone sideline, that is an easy Phillip Brooks catch for for a touchdown. Especially with how good Phillip Brooks is at looking balls in from that angle because he is a punt returner. That was just Skyler completely missing that throw. And again, one throw does not automatically give you a D plus. But then you talk about the Imator Bebe throw, where if he just throws it over the top or even slightly above where he threw it, just above the defender down the field vertically on a seam route, you have to throw seam routes vertically. And he almost threw it horizontally and kept him low to the ground where he where he would had to make a circus catch in order to get him that ball, as opposed to throwing it over the top for an easy walk-in touchdown to a freakishly athletic tight end. And then you get into pocket presence, which, credit where credit's due, he did a very good job navigating through pockets he didn't hurt us by taking sacks that were completely his fault so credit where credit's due but at the same time it's what he did with that time in the pocket that concerns me and again we'll get into why it's not all his fault later on but still from a super senior quarterback you have to have much higher expectations and you have to have him show that all that time that he's been in the program has led to progress so Unfortunately, Skyler gets a D-plus in this game for me. He was very rusty. Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well uh, there as to the reason to why the grade is so low. Is it's not just the performance. It's that the expectation for somebody in Skyler Thompson's shoe, uh, shoes is uh, way higher than it would be for many other quarterbacks. And he didn't perform like a guy with a ton of starting experience under his belt. I mean, I think he has over 30 games played at this point or 30 games started. And he didn't look like it uh, against Stanford, um, at least throwing the ball. Running the ball, he looked very confident. Uh, he knew exactly what he was doing. I mean, red zone Skyler was red zone Skyler. Yeah. Like, so like, so he, he was impressive in that regard, but we already knew that. And then he was kind of making similar mistakes to what he's made in the past, which is pretty concerning uh, that he hasn't been able to uh, rectify a lot of those issues. Yeah. And I... 
If you if you listen to that that segment out of context, you think we lost the game. We yeah. didn't. We dominantly won the game. Yeah. But still, you have to expect more from a super senior quarterback, especially running the conference schedule that we have with yeah. teams like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, West Virginia. All those teams that are going to at least have a serviceable defense, definitely better than Stanford's, are going to possibly give us trouble if this is the consistent type of performance we should get. But happier note, yep. considerably happier note, we get to move on to the running backs room. And honestly, this running backs room gets an A from me. Yep. And it's not only because of Deuce, even though he was the main contributor. Jacardier Wright on his one carry showed that, yeah, he can do some things, and Joe Irvin just didn't get the blocking that he needed to. But Deuce Vaughn coming in for that 123 yards on the ground, plus that ridiculous touchdown where Deuce Vaughn does what Deuce Vaughn does best and just created an atrocious angle for every single defender that wanted to tackle him, which makes him near impossible to tackle. Yeah, the running backs, I, I don't feel like there's any any real debate here. The running back room gets an A. Yeah, I also gave them an A. Uh, I went between A+, plus, A-, minus, and A. I ended up settling on A because I was like, it's probably somewhere in the middle if I'm trying to uh, figure out between those three. So, But yeah, Deuce was excellent as we expected. I wasn't sure if we were going to get uh, incredible Deuce Vaughn like we're used to. Um, just because I was expecting defenses to key in on, on him more, and they did key in on him, but it, it just, didn't, it, it just didn't matter because he's just he was just so much better than every defender on the field uh, from Stanford. And it's not often the case that he has a guy like that uh, that's just so clearly and obviously more talented than everybody that he's going against. Yeah. And so it's really nice to see. Um, and then he had 124 total yards, averaged 9.5 per carry, and that is also with a called back run that would have been 35 or 40 yards at the tail end of the game. I think it was holding on a Duffy or Adler maybe. And uh, so that would have put him over 150 on the day and well over 10 yards per carry. So Deuce Vaughn had an unbelievable day running the ball. Uh, Jacardier Wright, he had one carry, although it was a very good carry. Mm-hmm. and uh, he did other things other than run the ball. Like, he had some very nice blocks. Uh, on the, you don't expect to say it with yeah, running back. But. Yeah, Malik, uh, Malik Knowles, he had his uh, 30-yard jet sweep. Or it wasn't really a jet sweep. It was just kind of a sweep because he motioned into the backfield, then they handed it as opposed to uh, handing it while he was in motion. Yeah. Uh, but Jacardier had a crushing block. Uh, to seal the edge there. That's something that K-State did really well today was defensively setting the edge and offensively also doing that. Like They just they maintained the edge really well. So Jacardier was impressive there. And then Joe Irvin, I'm not going to judge him on this performance because he had one solid carry for six yards and then the rest of it was uh, lost yardage. And uh, um, it was just, he unfortunately just wasn't getting good blocks yeah. when he was running the ball. But, yeah, running back room, very impressive. Deuce Vaughn was awesome. Yep. So do you want to talk about the next position group? Yeah. Um, we have uh, wide receivers up next, at least I do. I don't know if you had tight end fullback next. It doesn't matter. Okay. I have wide receiver next. Uh, I gave them a C- minus uh, for the day. I felt like the passing game as a whole just lacked a lot, although uh, there were moments, I thought, where – they performed well. Uh, Brooks had his 56-yard catch, and he was wide, 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 wide open. Uh, Knowles had that one great catch where he caught it. I think it was a curl or a hitch. Yeah, it was a hitch. Yeah, it was a hitch route. And then he just drug, like, three defenders with him for the first down. It was an excellent play. And then Deuce, uh, he had a couple receptions as well. And But beyond that, they didn't do a whole lot. Uh, Garber, he did have the pass interference that was called on him. Tyrone Howell had a catch that was wiped away by a holding penalty. Um, Cade Warner saw the field, wasn't ever targeted. Landry started and never had a target. Um, so, yeah, I think even Seabass got on the field, but not for many plays. And, I don't know, the receiver room was just very underwhelming. And we, we talked a lot about Skyler not being super impressive, but... Not all of that is Skyler's fault. Uh, part of that is 
uh, the fall to the receivers. Uh, I thought that they were better today than they had been for a lot of last year, but not by a lot. And part of that's Skyler not performing up to par, but part of that is the receivers not doing as well as they could. It's less directly on the receivers than it has been in the past. It was more a combination of two uh, larger issues in the passing game. But, yeah, they just they were below average. Uh, they weren't doing a great job at getting open for the most part. Um, I, I have very little to add. Other than that, they were just pretty underwhelming. Uh, didn't cost us the game, obviously, but they... I don't know. We left some points on the field. Yeah. And I'm going to give the wide receivers the exact same grade that I gave Skyler, which is a D plus. And the main reason I say this is because, yes, in part, there were a few windows in which Skyler should have been able to make a throw. I, and this also could just be me with the, the quote-unquote air raid philosophy of if he's even, he's leaving, which... Malik Knowles and Keenan Garber had a few moments to where they were even with their corners and were gone. But that did not happen as much as it should have, especially considering the amount of press coverage that we were facing. And I'm not talking about good like Jalen Ramsey or Jair Alexander press coverage, where they have hands on you and they're not letting go. Like, they will have their hand on you for the entirety of your route, just so they can feel out where you're going. No, this was bad press coverage where they are just in your face and then take a step, the few steps back and make no effort to jam you at the line of scrimmage. The problem is that that should be very easy press coverage to get off of because if they don't have their hand on you in man coverage or match three, which they ran a lot, they don't know where you're going. You just have to basically do the bare minimum of route running that you should be able to do in college to separate from someone that does not have their hand on you. And there were very few moments to where I genuinely saw that, especially with the coverage that they were given. Now, in the zone looks, yeah, there were a lot of times where just no one was open. And that's not the fault of the receiver. That's just somewhat with play calling, which it happens. But in the receiver room, there was no one that really popped. You had Philip Brooks, who got two five-yard speed outs because, you know, they were running bunch looks, and that's the easiest throw to make. Then he had the massive bust in coverage, which I don't consider a win for the receivers. I consider that a substantial L for the Stanford defense. And then you just had a collection of moments to where, yeah, Malik Knowles had a really good catch. Malik Knowles had that really, really good hitch route to where he carried about four people. That's honestly what keeps it from being just a straight D or a D-. minus. That catch alone saved the receiver room for me from a below a D-plus grade. But, yeah, route running is the best receiver skill that you can have. I don't care what anyone says. It's why Terry McLaurin was the one of the best receivers in his class. It's why Jerry Judy will end up being the best receiver in his class. Because route running is the most important skill for a wide receiver to have, and we did not demonstrate the ability to create separation with our routes today. Yeah, no argument here. Again, I don't want. I don't like being negative. I don't like. We won the game. Yeah. But luckily, these are really only the two bad-ish grades: quarterback and receiver. Those are really the only two times that I'm really that negative mm-hmm. um, today. So the rest of it will be happy if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> if you're looking for sunshine. <laughs> yeah, if you're looking for sunshine, we are through the clouds right now. Yeah. So now we can move on to tight ends and fullbacks, who I give a B grade for the day. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I would give them a B just based off of the block that Jax Deneen made on the first play. Yeah, that that was excellent, and that set the tone for the entire game right there. That K-State was just going to physically dominate a Power 5 team, which has not happened very much no. in my lifetime. And so, yeah, Jax... Just absolutely flattening a Stanford outside linebacker, I believe it was. Yeah. And that, that was nice. And the smack echoing throughout the stadium. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that was an excellent play by uh, the Seawolf himself, Jax Deneen. Even outside of that one specific block, Imatsuar Bebe got a pass-blocking snap in and handled an edge rusher, which I don't expect to see. Yeah, that was really impressive. So... 
they get a B. They didn't contribute that much in the receiving game other than Imatsuar Bebe's two catches, but they blocked more than well enough to earn that grade. Yeah, I gave a similar grade. I had a B plus for this group. Uh, the Jacks block was an automatic. Like, I started everybody a C at the beginning of this game, and Jax was an automatic bump up to a B yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just from that one block. Uh, Imatra Bebe, he had two catches for 38 yards, uh, which was a nice debut. Now, he did have a pretty bad drop um, where he would have easily picked up a first down, and he just didn't really look it in and just bounced off his hands. Tight end moment. and Certified tight end moment. Yeah, and then he had the... Uh, just two plays later, he made up for it. He got like a 20-yard reception or something like that. It was one of Skyler's uh, most accurate passes of the day. And it was a very nice catch by Imatra Bebe as well. And then I also give Imatra Bebe credit for beating uh, the coverage early on in the game uh, in the second quarter. And Skyler just underthrew him. It would have been a touchdown if it was a halfway decent throw. But it just was not thrown very effectively. So I, I give him after baby a credit for at least getting open there. Uh, Wheeler was on the field, but didn't really have any impact today. Uh, Lenners, uh, he was in there blocking. He had some solid blocks on the first touchdown of the game where Skyler Thompson just ran over uh, Caillou Blue Kelly of Stanford. Uh, Lenners, uh, he had some motion before the snap to move Caillou Blue Kelly around uh, to pick him up as his man. And Lenners uh, went and had a... Uh, steal the edge on the other side. It was an excellent play. And that brought Caillou Blue Kelly over and gave Skylar Thompson the uh, opportunity to end Caillou Blue Kelly's career <laughs> and get revenge for the interception that he had thrown. So, yeah, B-plus for the tight ends and fullbacks. Um, not really anything to complain about. Uh, they, were, they were just a very solid room. Yep. You can take next up. Yep. See offensive line. Yeah, I have offensive line here. I really struggled with what to give this group because some of them were very good. Some of them were definitively not very good. <laughs> and so I ended up just going, I just went with a B plus for them, mainly because the left side of the line was very, very good, I thought. Cooper BB had an excellent day. Josh Revis was just eating people alive from the left guard spot. There's multiple times if you rewatch the game, where he just picks somebody up and just drives them back several yards and just pancake blocks them. And it's really satisfying to watch. He was very good in pass protection as well. Cooper Beebe has some excellent reps at a left tackle for pass protecting. Noah Johnson was solid. He had a few gaffes. Um, but there also were a few times where he saved Skyler Thompson's skin. Uh, like the long pass to Phillip Brooks. Uh, a man was uh, um, twisting on the defensive line to get to the middle of the pocket, and Noah Johnson slid over on the line and picked him up, and that gave Thompson the opportunity for the 55-yard or 56-yard reception. So credit where credit's due. Adler had a few decent plays. He also had a few gaffes. I believe he was the, if I'm not mistaken, he uh, was responsible for the holding penalty that brought back a Deuce Vaughn 35-40-yard to 40 yard rush. Uh, late in the game, just it was just stat padding at that point. But <laughs> it's bullying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Katori Leviston, he got significant snaps, and he was uh, he was decent. He was he didn't look like he had any gaffes. He was moved into guard, and I thought that he performed admirably. Now, he had one play where he where Skyler was scrambling out of the pocket, and Leviston was kind of running out with him, and then he just kind of tripped over a yard line, I guess. And <laughs> the sniper got him. Yeah, yeah, he got sniped, and um, it, it just looked funny. There's nothing wrong with it. Like, it, it just looked kind of weird. And then um, then we get to the elephant in the room, which is uh, Christian Duffy. Um, first half, he was okay. Um, second half, he just got absolutely exposed. There's no way around it. He was just bad in the second half and this really opens the door for him getting replaced um kingsley ugu has got to look at uh, maybe one of the younger tackles like uh um carver willis or uh whit mitchum or even andrew lean gang if they want to move him out but yeah he had a awful um second half there's one moment i forget what quarter it is and what drive it is 
uh, it ended up in a sack of Skyler Thompson, but uh, a Stanford, I believe, defensive end, maybe an outside linebacker. They're a three-four. Um, they lined up wide nine on him and acted like they were going to go to his outside shoulder and this just the third quarter. Yeah, third quarter, <laughs> and then they stepped in. So it was basically just like a like a crossover, basically in basketball. Yeah, and yeah. Duffy just froze and i don't think he ever even made contact with the guy he didn't and uh, you if you listen closely you can hear the windows shut down sound because he did not expect that yeah it was an error 404 moment for <laughs> christian duffy it, it was pretty bad and he also had several uh holding penalties there were several ones where he missed a guy that came through to get skyler um he had a very very rough half and you know it's bad because a lot of people complain about the offensive line, but you know it was a bad performance when people can specifically point to somebody and say that they were bad. Yeah. And it, especially with casual fans. Like, I, I'm in a sports group chat, and somebody was saying number 73 was awful. And I was like, yikes. Oh, like, no. like, if casual people are noticing it, that uh, then it's pretty rough out here. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a tough day for Christian Duffy, although he was good last year, and he had a solid beginning to the game. So this is, this isn't like the end for Christian Duffy. Like he, I still think that he's a talented offensive lineman. That he just had a bad game. Yeah. Uh, most offensive linemen are gonna have a bad game here and there. So unless you're Cooper Beebe, yeah, unless you're Cooper Beebe, and you're perfect. So, <laughs> so yeah, tough game for Duffy. He prevents the offensive line in my book from getting an A grade, but B plus is nothing to sniff at. Yeah, and I give them a B minus. Just kind of for that that exact same reason. They, specifically in the run game, were really good. Yep. They were really good run blocking, except for when Joe Irvin was in. Yeah, maybe they have something against Joe. I, I don't think that's it. I think that just... I don't think Joe Irvin has established himself as more of a receiving threat yet. So, they don't fear him running to the flats. So, they're willing to stack the box more against him. Because Lord knows our receivers weren't going to to run on any of the bullet slants, so yeah, I give them a, a solid B minus. So to to wrap up the offense, we can we'll do the coordinators at the very end. Okay. Um, to wrap up the offense, we'll just go over top to bottom. Quarterback for these are my grades. Quarterback D plus. Running back A. Wide res, wide receiver was a D. Line was a B, and tight end fullback was a B. Well, line was a B minus. All right, and for me, I quarterback is a C, running back is an A, receiver is a C minus, tight end fullback is B plus, and offensive line as B plus. So that's it for the offense then. All right, and now, now we get to talk about the unit that just blew everyone's expectations out of the water. And that is the entire defense. Like I'm not going to I'm not going to mix words. Yeah. The defense was if our offense were as good as our defense was this day, I would genuinely be talking about Natties unironically. Yeah, if the offense yeah, and even if they were just close, if they were halfway as good, I think is maybe what you just said. But yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, the offense if they had they hadn't left what I think was at least two touchdowns on the field. I mean, we're looking at a potential 38 nothing shutout in this game, like, like excluding the uh, garbage time touchdown, which didn't really matter that much. Yeah. So, and 38-7 just looks way different than 24-7, especially uh, against a Power 5 opponent in the non-conference for the first game of the year. Yeah. But anyway... Let's now that we kind of spoiled our take that the defense good. The defense but, is good. <laughs> let's go over the specific units, which I personally broke down as defensive line, linebackers, defensive backs. Yep. So just three groups for me. We could go into more specifics, but I feel, especially with the fact that we kind of switched between three three five and four two five, and having a stand up edge rusher, Khalid Duke, playing that that hybrid role. Yep. I, I feel like at this point we'd be splitting hairs if we just said, oh, D-line, edge rusher, stuff like that. Yeah. So we're just going to go with the D-line. A. There's no way around it. A. Very close to an A+. And 
The only thing that kept them from an A+, was a couple of times where they just ended up breaking contain, but that's not their fault, especially on a three-man rush. So they're the absolute closest that you could get to an A+, without actually being an A+. Timmy Horn, as good, if not better, than advertised. (laughs) Nate Matlick showed that he has pass-rushing ability. Khalid Duke, as an edge rusher, split a double team with a single spin move. That was unbelievable. Jalen Pickle showed that he had the ability to both play the pass and the run. There is not a single name on the defensive line that I can name that had a bad game. They all had an amazing game, in yeah, fact. Yeah, they were all excellent. Um, Were you done? Oh, I'm done. Yeah. Okay. I... Uh, I, I went one step further. I just gave them an A plus. I grappled with giving them an A, but I was I, I was just I might as well just give them an A plus, like because I they were unbelievable, and it's not just that they performed so well, it's that they were destroying Stanford's offensive line with a three man rush, which yeah, is no, we tout the the Stanford offensive line that we heard all throughout the summer was really good, which you know I I. I disagreed, but... <laughs> yep. And David Shaw, he was talking about how, after the game, he was shocked that the offensive line didn't hold up better. Um, the defensive line, I figured, would have a good day. Uh, I, I did not anticipate them just being so unbelievably dominant in different ways. Uh, Khalid Duke, he was just unbelievable. He had four tackles, a sack, and the sack was in a crucial moment, and it was an unbelievable uh move as well because uh, that knocked Sanford out of field goal range and like you said he split the double team with a spin <laughs> like if you don't know a lot about defensive like defensive line like attacking tactics spin is like is the literal last thing you do against a double team yes it, it makes very little sense to do it because in most cases, you're just going to spin to the other person unless you're going outside. Yeah. And even then, it's still not the best move. Glee Duke didn't just try it. it. He made it look easy, and he just split the double team on the right tackle and the right guard and made it look easy and got right to the quarterback and cleaned up house. And two plays prior, Eli Huggins had a sack from an interior rush because he was playing the uh, nose tackle position rotating with Timmy Horn and he got through and he sacked I believe is McKee at this point uh and after he threw up the uh, the mob hand signal from the the old late 90s early 2000s era of KSA defenses where I think they were top five for five or six seasons in a row which is unbelievable streak there and I like that they're trying to incorporate that back into their uh defensive mentality that uh, they want to get back to the to those heights. And Jalen Pickle, he was excellent. They moved him out to the edge rusher, which was interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I, I kind of looked at that upon looking back. I was like, what is he going to do? And then he played well. Yeah, and then he was excellent. Uh, Felix Enudike, um, he was decent. Um, he didn't have the splash impact that we may have been anticipating for his first start, but not that big of a deal. Also his first start. <laughs> yeah. like And uh, Spencer Trussell... He had a sack as well. Um, hadn't really seen much of him up until this point in his career, and then he just comes out and said, well, I'll just join this party and be excellent. But we would be remiss if we didn't mention Timmy Horn, uh, or if I didn't mention him, because he only had one tackle, but he may have been the best player on the defensive line in terms of impact. Mm-hmm. What he was doing was unbelievable. I mean, he was doing NFL stuff. You snap the ball when I decide you snap it. <laughs> like, he was just trying to time uh, um, time the snap and the cadence. It's like, like he was just running over people. Like, and he was getting, at some, he was getting at points, triple teamed in the interior O-line and was still pushing them back. <laughs> and it wasn't just slowly. He was collapsing the pocket in a couple seconds. It was an unbelievable performance. And Timmy Horn... There's, it's now obvious why he was voted as a team captain because he was just outstanding, and the, he pushed the defensive line over the edge for the uh, the A plus for me. 
Sorry, there's a fly interrupting both Connor and I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I... Like I said, this is the absolute closest that they could have been to being an A+, without being an A+, which makes me wonder how many times I'm going to give out an A+. But <laughs> <laughs> then we move into the linebacker room, which, for context, everyone, every single K-State fan was nervous about linebackers. There's no exceptions. Yep. If you weren't, you should have been. You, you should have been, because they had proven, up to this game... They had proven nothing. Yep. But then this game happens. And if if we're going just based off of purely expectation, they would have blown me away so bad that it would have been an A+. However, (laughs) we're not going off of expectation. We're going off of reality. And I'm willing to give them a B plus for their performance just because of the way that they were able to fit the run and the fact that they were willing and able to play coverage in a pretty decent capacity. However, I will also say that I never in my life want to see Ryan Hennington lined up as an edge rusher again. So please, uh, I think they only did that once and in the first quarter, so just keep that, keep it just once, because I never want to see it again. But Wayne Jones had a couple really good coverage snaps, Ryan Hennington, in speaking of him, he had a few decent coverage snaps. He had one really bad rep on a seam ball that was just missed by Tanner McKee, I believe, was the quarterback in at the time. That uh, that Ross Elder was really excited that he almost got a pick. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so linebackers played really, really well, way beyond expectation. But obviously the standout in the linebacker room was the only person that Connor and I could definitively say was going to be a starter in the linebacker room, and that was Daniel Green, which, other than his targeting penalty, was really, really great the entire game, whether it be in coverage or playing the run. He was everywhere yep. on the field. That's exactly what I would have said. He was all over the place. Like, it was unbelievable to see him just be absolutely everywhere. Yeah, so they get a, a B plus from me. I also gave them a B plus, and for very similar reasons as to you. And once again, if it was based off expectation, they would get an A plus plus from me because I was expecting this to be by far the weakest link on the team, other than maybe receiver. But linebackers, the coaches talked them up a lot in the off season, and we thought they were crazy. However, however, apparently the coaches have seen them practice more than we have, which crazy I know. (laughs) Who'd have thought? Yeah, and Daniel Green was just unbelievable yesterday, save for the very late targeting penalty. Um, He was just flying everywhere on the field. It's been a while. I think the last time we had a linebacker be that effective was Arthur Brown Jr. back in the 2012 Big 12 Championship season. I'm not comparing him to Arthur Brown. (laughs) Let me make that clear. Yeah, I was about to say, like... uh... I'm saying in, term, in terms of his athleticism and how he's making himself known everywhere, and he's just a constant threat to make a tackle, he's similar in that sense. He's not Arthur Brown, but, <laughs> but he was very, very impressive. And Cody Fletcher, also, he had a uh, um, an excellent day. I first thought. sack of the season belongs to Cody Fletcher. Yeah, he had the first sack of the year, which congrats to you if you had it. You didn't, you didn't, but... You're lying. Yeah, he, uh, Daniel Green finished with nine tackles. Fletcher had eight, including uh, one sack and half a tackle for loss. So, And, and that sack that he had was an excellent dial-up by Klanderman and a great scheme. Uh, they had Huggins. Um, he lined up on the uh, right shoulder of the center and collapsed inward. Green blitzed and took up the right guard. Uh, Khalid Duke went outside on the tackle, and that left a wide-open lane for Cody Fletcher to just go in and get the easiest uh, tackle for loss of his entire life. Yeah. And he and he got home, and he did exactly what he needed to do. Um, I didn't give them an A just because um, we didn't see a ton of the depth, which I think is on purpose. And because uh, we did, there was a little bit of Nick Allen, a little bit of Austin Moore, not a lot. Uh, that was probably where they rotated by far the least on the field, um, other than quarterback, obviously, but they, and they, in pass coverage, they were decent, um, 
actually pretty good in some cases. Fletcher especially really surprised me with his coverage abilities. Daniel Green, I was expecting to be good at coverage. Fletcher just came out absolutely nowhere, where he was collapsing on the uh, short passes as soon as they were happening and doing really well there. Uh, there were a few timing routes that made it through, which not a lot that they can do on those. Yeah. But as a whole, I was really, really impressed with the linebackers, and that's a huge weight off the shoulders of the defense if they can continue to uh, perform at a B plus. If the linebackers can play at a B plus level for the whole season, that would do. That'd be a miracle for this defense. Yeah. So, do do the defensive backs keep the ball? Well, yes, they get an A. For me, they very much get an A. There is Echo is obviously Echo. Echo deleted an entire side of the field, and I don't believe he got targeted. Unless you're going to talk about the one concept that. I don't count as a target because literally there's nothing he could have done. It was just a ridiculous route concept. But all of the defensive backs, yes, all of the defensive backs, even the elder, played at a at least decent level, and most of them played at a very high level. The standouts to me are Russ Yeast with his interception, and also. A couple of really nice tackles that he yeah. had, including blowing up a screenplay that I don't believe anyone really saw coming. Unless I'm thinking of a... I may be thinking of Sincere, but I think it was Russ. But... <laughs> and then you had Julius Brents, who... But other than getting back-shouldered a few times, which that just happens... And that was more of a receiver making a great play than Julius Burns making a bad play. Echo deleted his side of the field. That's just what Echo does. Jerron McPherson did Jerron McPherson things and was enough of an enforcer in the tackling game and was good enough in coverage. Sincere Mason got a, t- got a snap or two and was good in coverage. T. Denson, in the one snap that I saw him on the field, got a tackle for loss. Yep. Justin Gardner, while he got beat on one play, it's because he tripped over himself, and then he redeemed himself later by almost getting a pick six if he just held his hands around the ball. There is not... I can't think of a really negative play for the secondary. I can't either. The only one uh, that I can really just think of as being a truly net negative for the secondary, other than the late touchdown, which that's kind of ticky-tacky anyway. It's just because there's not a lot that any defensive back can do about that. Mm-hmm. Um, would be like the concept that you were talking about. where, But even then, you can't really put that on the secondary. Oh, because that's not them. Because that's a barely coverable concept. Like you said, you have to be running man against it. It's called the Yankee. Uh, yeah, that's a concept. Yankee, which is it's a typically run out of a 2 by 2 set. Tight end on the, say, for example... Tight end on the right side of the field, two wide receivers to the left. Receivers are running either go balls or deep posts to clear out the safety in any other overlapping zone. The tight end comes across the field on a deep crossing route because of those two posts clear out the zone unless you have a linebacker playing man or literally a quarterback with 99 awareness and is actually psychic you don't really cover Yankee very well. And that's literally every defense. That's not on the defensive backs. That's just a really great play call against an unfortunate zone coverage call. That's not on the DPs. Yeah, so basically no negatives, um, or no significant negatives, um, at least from things that like ended up actually happening. I gave them an A-. minus. I almost gave them an A, but I ended up throwing the minus on there just because there were a few times that guys are getting open down the seam or that if McKee had been a little bit more effective, they may have gotten a uh, better play. But thinking about the Julius Brents accidentally <laughs> kind of letting a guy go. <laughs> yes. There, there were a few instances that a better quarterback and better offense may have gotten some more yards. But all things considered, this was an excellent performance by the defensive backs. Julius Brents had a good day. Um, I'm sincere Mason. He had some solid plays. Uh, T.J. Smith, he had the interception, and oh, I forgot to mention Stubby. Yeah, Stubby. Stubby had a ridiculous PBU. Yeah, he he was excellent. Um, T.J. Smith uh, had a couple tackles 
and uh, was a good enforcer in the secondary. He had the interception late. Um, Russ Yeast, he had a very nice debut. He had a half a tackle for loss and an interception. A very impressive start for Russ Yeast. The transfers as a whole were very good. All of them. Yeah, every single transfer in the well, secondary was good. Okay, in the secondary. There was one transfer that we didn't see at all, but we're not going to talk yeah, about Yeah, we're, we're just not even going to bring him up. Um, Justin Gardner, he had like the one play, like you said, where he got beat, but he still was able to almost recover and get back. Now, that's kind of been his elite trait is recovering from mistakes, which kind of does a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Um, yeah, then like you brought up uh, the legend, the sauce boss, Reggie Stubblefield. On uh, a third down and long-ish for Stanford, they tried going over the middle again because that had been the only thing working for them in the past game other than lucky catches on the outside. Uh, Stubblefield just denied that. Stubby said no. Yeah, he had a diving uh, pass breakup. It was an excellent play. And anytime Reggie Stubblefield does something, it's just it makes me feel happy. <laughs> <laughs> it makes my heart happy. Yep. Echo Boydo. Um, he only had one tackle on the entire game, which says a lot about the coverage work that he was doing. I mean, we were all excited about Julius Brents. Echo Boydo was, he was elite in coverage. I mean... Echo had a better game than Julius. He did. That's 100% true. And Julius is the one that's getting the serious uh, NFL looks. Um, and Echo Boydo, um, he may have that potential. He's incredibly fast. And... Uh, I don't know, just had all-around great game. John McPherson forced a fumble, had one and a half tackles for loss. I, there's just not really a, a major negative here. Like, even Ross Elder, he, when he was playing up in the uh, box, he was effective, I thought. Had a setting the edge, made a few tackles. Um, he, he was not a liability. Yeah, he only had one bad play, and that was, you know... I, yeah, I don't want to put that on him. That, that wasn't really on him. That, no. that just That just kind of happens to everybody every once in a while. Yeah. We're talking about getting juked out by Austin Jones, which Austin Jones is still a really good running back. You yeah. wouldn't know that by looking at the stats today. Yeah, he's a very talented running back, Austin Jones of Stanford. Um, it's just that K-State's run defense was just unbelievable. I mean, they were lights out, and there's no way around that. Oh, and then um, uh, I didn't mention him. You did mention him, uh, T. Denson. He had an excellent tackle for loss. Um, he just they, – they ran the screen, the screen concept. Screen. Yeah, and then uh, – um, he just immediately sniffed it out and just blew the play up. I mean, when you when you're losing yards on pass plays, like that's unbelievable coverage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a minus for the defensive backs. Yep. So for a total recap, I had defensive line A, linebacker B plus, and then the defensive backs got an A. Yeah, and for me, I had defensive line at A plus, linebackers at B plus. And defensive backs at a minus. So I think we average out to like we the average exact out same. We average out the exact same. Yeah. And then um, I also graded special teams. I don't know if you did. I didn't. They were no. fine. Yeah, I gave them a B. Um, we made a field goal. Um, we had a good punt return that got wiped out. And then another punt return that wasn't as good that got wiped out. So we need to clean it up a little bit on the penalties there. We didn't have any kick returns because they only kicked actually to us once. And it went extremely out of <laughs> bounds. <laughs> Like, hilariously out of yeah. bounds. And then Tate and Winkle, he absolutely drilled a 40-yard field goal that would have been good from 55, probably. Oh, easily. Like, he's a future a place he, kicker, at least, at least the, the short term. Then he flexed on someone after a tackle. No, that was Zentner. Oh, that, that was Zentner. Zentner with the flex. Uh, I think it was Joe Irvin on kickoff coverage tackled somebody, like, by their shoestrings, and then Zentner just went over and flexed on him. <laughs> Which... He's a little confused, but he's got the spirit. <laughs> respect. I gotta respect it from the kicker. Yeah. So, yeah, shout out Ty Zentner. Uh, he, he had he had a lot of really good uh, kickoffs. Most of them were touchbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Defense, just nails. Yep. So now we get to talk about the coordinators and giving them a specific grade. You want to start with Klanderman or Mess? Uh, we'll start with Mess. Okay. Um, I gave him a B. Um, I thought that he was excellent in the early game. Um, the, the first several possessions, I felt like his play calling was just really, really good. Um, and we clearly did a great job scouting because we had some specific looks that we really just were able to expose them on. And we left points on the field as well. And Mess can't do anything about about that, at least not in the moment. So I thought Mess. I think Mess gets overhated a lot. 
I don't think he's like an elite coordinator or anything, but I think he's a quality coordinator. I, I don't think he's a net negative for the team most of the time. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a mess apologist, I guess. But I don't know. He was good, I thought. Scott's a very big mess believer. He is, right? Yeah. yeah it, <laughs> but was it him or someone else to put up the tweet? He's like, where are all my mess haters at now? I think that was Scott. <laughs> I think him. that was Scott. Um, But yeah, I am someone who's been very critical and have made no secret of how critical I am of Courtney Messingham as the offensive coordinator. But you know what? Credit where credit's due. He called himself a very good game, especially during that first half. So you know what? I'll give him a B plus because he, there aren't any play calls that he made. And it was a problem we had last year to where he would call a play and I would just go, why? There were no why moments for me. There were a couple of plays that, you know, maybe in one or two ways may have been called better. Yeah. Honestly, at that point, you're splitting hairs. Yeah. Messing him had a very good game. Yeah, it was. He didn't make any stupid calls. He knew what we were good at, and he put the offense in uh, consistently good positions, like the Malik Knowles jet sweeps. Um, he played to um, the strengths of Skyler, even though he wasn't always able to uh, make the best throw. Uh, he put us in a lot of great play action situations. Uh, Gave a lot of similar looks, but did some very different things uh, to confuse the defense a little. Um, like, Skyler scored on read options twice, where the entire defense was looking at Deuce Vaughn. And Technically the second... Okay, the slight correction for an... Actually, um, the second one that was a score was technically not a read option. That's a play called QB Counter Bash which we just shamelessly stole from the Ravens. It's not a read option. We pretend it's a read option. But it's not actually. It's not actually a read option. That's Skyler keeping it the yeah. entire way. Although, nevertheless, even though it's not a read option, it had the same effect yeah, on it, the Sanford well, defense. Yeah, I mean, it's still <laughs> ridiculously good, but... Yeah, so, yeah, Mess, very nice game. Maybe I underrated him even a little bit, kind of giving him a B. I don't think I would... I don't think at any point in the past ever have I given a lower grade... Uh, on mess than Ace has because Ace generally is a bigger mess hater than I am. But but yeah, I, uh. you remember that conversation after the Texas game where I just went off for about ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's move on. That game didn't happen. That game didn't happen. So then we have Klanderman. I'll go first on Klanderman. I give him an A plus. I, I thought he was excellent. Yeah, that's probably my take on it, too. Okay. Like, Klanderman, he was unbelievable, I thought. The defense was so much better than we were anticipating it to be. Because we thought the offense was going to be the strength of this team. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Apparently, it may be the defense. I guess we'll see as we face more spread looks uh, than what Stanford gave us. But, yeah, Klanderman, he dialed up blitzes at the exact right time. He was putting guys where they needed to be. We rotated constantly and i was keeping sanford on their toes we saw a lot of guys that we normally maybe wouldn't have seen uh like if snyder was still the coach because it was pretty much just one guy and that's it but we saw tons and tons of people i think on the first uh possession alone we probably saw 18 to 20 different people uh on defense that we saw like 55 different people all throughout i think it was yeah, in the, in the whole game, I think, or in the first half, it was 57 people, uh, 57 different players saw the field for K-State, which you may not even see that in a season with Bill Snyder. No. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I I agree. There's, Kleinerman called himself one hell of a game. It was a ridiculously cold game. Every call that he made was near perfect for every situation that he was in, and I don't know what else I'm to say. I don't. I yeah. I, I have very little to add. So, so the overall grades, if we were to give them, would be offense. I'd say about a C. Defense an A. Yeah, that's basically it. Fly me right in my eye. <laughs> yeah, there's just some fly just going around this room, and it's just circling. So if we uh, if this episode never gets posted, and you the see fly our kill this, yeah, yeah, you see our obituary. It, it was the fly. Um, but yeah, uh, C-plus for the offense for me. 
A for the defense. I mean, that's pretty cut and dry, I think. Yep. And now it's it says specific player standouts. Let's just change that to offensive and defensive MVP since I see we're kind of kind of running on time here. Yeah. Uh, offensive MVP Deuce for me. Deuce. Very easy there. Yeah. Easy. Um. So for defense, I actually picked Russ Yeast as my defensive MVP, especially because even though that wasn't the interception he had wasn't on the best of throws. He was constantly in a good coverage position, and if he didn't make the play himself, he was in a position to do so. But there's a whole lot of choices that you can make for defense. I mean, there are probably four to five people on defense that you can make an argument for, and I would agree with. Like, Timmy Horn had one tackle the entire game, and I would not be averse to Timmy Horn being the defensive MVP. Uh, Khalid Duke is a guy you make an argument for. Echo Boydo, he had one tackle, but he shut down a whole side of the field and was just unbelievable. Um, and Russ East, you can make an argument for him as well. Um, maybe even TJ Smith if you stretch a little. But, I mean, I, I think for me it was just from watching the game, the guy that had the biggest impact was Daniel Green, I think. And the defense as a whole is just so unbelievable that I it's hard to argue with any pick, really. Maybe not like Wayne Jones or something. That's, <laughs> that's just kind of a random pick. But Daniel Green... He was just all over the place. He showcased the athleticism that we've been waiting for for three years now. Uh, he really looked the part of a Power 5 linebacker. And he honestly looked all-conference, I thought, today. Today. Like three days ago. And I don't know why we keep doing that. Just keep saying today. The game did not. It's, it's, the game it's did, not today. It is a. It is a Monday. Right. <laughs> it's a Monday. Which, by the way, uh, preview episode. I mean, recap episodes. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, recap episodes will typically be on Mondays. We just. I got back here two hours ago. Yeah. So <laughs> weird weekends. Uh, long road trip. It'll get out when it gets out. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think this one will probably come out like tomorrow or Wednesday. Yeah, I, I would, let's say tomorrow. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. So, you and I, it says takeaways, but again, I don't want this to be an hour and 30 minutes. Yeah. So, you're allowed to pick one takeaway. What would it be? Um, You can't just say defense good. Okay. Well, <laughs> are you go first then? Because I was about to say that. <laughs> I will say... Linebackers are not a liability, which I feel like is the best possible takeaway we could have gotten from this game. Yeah, I, I, you can't ask for much better than that. I mean, if I could have gone into this game asking for a takeaway, it would have been either that or passing game elite. Like, Well, it's not the second one. Yeah, it's not the second one, but the first one is absolutely true, and it's linebackers are not a liability at minimum. Um, but I'll, I'll go with a different take. I'll say this is going to be one of the better K-State defensive lines that we've seen in quite some time, I think. I mean, it could be the best one in the last probably five or six years, I would say. Oh, I wouldn't. I don't even think that's a stretch. Yeah, I, I wanted to say 10 years, but that 2012 yeah, defensive no, line was pretty good. Yeah. With, think... with Meshach Williams winning, I think it was Defensive Player of the Year, Defensive Lineman of the Year. I don't know, we had some really good uh, defensive linemen on that uh, Big 12 title team. But yeah, this is going to be an excellent defensive line. I mean, if they were doing to if they were doing what they were doing with a three-man front against what I think will at the end of the year be considered a good offensive line, we should be having a lot of fun in the pass rush this year. Yep. So that leads us to the end of the recap show for the K-State Stanford game. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Aggieville Alley Cats. If you want to follow the show, you can follow us on Twitter at AggievilleACats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to follow us on our personal Twitter accounts, I am ACEdward00 on Twitter. And I am Connor Balthazor, capital C, and Connor, capital B, and Balthazor. If you want to send an email to the show, we are AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. Feel free to send us any, I don't know, shirt suggestions, questions, comments, Anything that you want to send us, please try to keep it relevant, I guess, would be the only yeah. requirement. Don't send us emails like, how was your day? 
because yes, we will answer that question on the podcast, but we will not be happy about it. Yeah. And part of me wants to go on the whole tirade about the merch store, so I will. The merch <laughs> store will be coming out very soon, as will our new logo, and we will be releasing with three shirts with the merch store. I'm not sure if the logo and merch store will be releasing simultaneously anymore. That's more of a touch-and-go thing, as we see. But we will be launching with three shirts. The first is a limited edition of our old logo, which will only be available for one or two weeks to show that you are an original fan of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. The second will be our new logo, as well as lettering on the front. And then the third and final, and probably the one that will sell the best, because it's, let's be honest, probably the funniest and best one, is Play Sandstorm Cowards, which I expect to see at every single KU game. I don't care if you don't watch the podcast. You wear that shirt to the KU game. I expect everyone that listens to this podcast to buy a Play Sandstorm Cowards shirt. Absolutely. If you want to support the show financially but don't want to buy our merch, you have the option to do so in the main bio of every single podcasting platform that involves the Aggieville Alley Cats. But most importantly is thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.